Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Today, we have a big get on the podcast. Uh, We have one of my dear Profit First professionals, Mastery Certified, the managing partner of Small Office Solutions, Wendy Hall with us. And I say she's a big get because um, Wendy and I see each other almost every day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. And um, actually, Wendy's in in the central time zone, so 8 o'clock for her where we participate in a daily sprint on our business. But we'll talk about that later in the podcast And I also had one of Wendy's clients on, um, gosh, many, many moons ago, probably two years ago on the podcast, one of our first guests. And uh, she talked about Wendyisms that Wendy, you know, is always giving to her clients and such. So, I mean, I think this has been two years in the making, just badgering you to be on the podcast, Wendy. So thank you so much for joining us today. I am glad to be here, Danielle. And uh, you can vouch for me that I really did, like, you did. have to you, beg. You, you begged, borrowed, constantly harassed, you know, so to speak. And now I'm here. <laughs> My pleasure. I am so excited. Um, so, Wendyisms. I mean, you just have such a great way at putting things. And I think, you know, tell us a little bit about, first of all, the way that you're set up with your practice and small office solutions and what you do, because I love how you approach things and your niche and everything. So we provide holistic financial services to our clients, both individuals and business owners, so that they can increase their financial clarity, reduce stress, and achieve their goals for both their business and personal lives. And my goal is always to translate the financial statements and their cash flow situation into something that they can understand and use and implement in their business to improve their financial life, which is so incredibly integrated, both business and personal. So if their business life is struggling, their personal is struggling and vice versa. So we have to look at the whole picture. And that's what I try to do is make that all flow very easily and smoothly for them. And you do that through your famous Windyism. So let's talk about uh, Windyism number one. These are not necessarily in any particular order, but we'll number them for easy tracking. 
So let's hit up Wendyism number one. So the number one Wendyism that I use is the plan. So we always develop with our clients a plan. And the plan is the plan. And the plan is designed to weather the storms, uh, address issues that come up, that we expect to come up because of normal economic cycles, normal changes, seasonality to businesses. And unless something factual changes with the plan, we stick with the plan. That's why it's the plan. That's why we have the plan. That's why we make the plan. So I don't like it when people uh, really, they they falter. They want to change the plan because something has changed. Like uh, we've had a major world event and all of a sudden, well, maybe we should change things. Like, no, we decided on this plan. So we're going to stick to the plan. And I, I mean, the plan is definitely needs to be the number one priority. I mean, when I work with people in profit first world, I mean, the first thing that we do is reverse engineer their business and create a plan that gets them to where they want to be. And I think you're right. So many times, you know, when someone doesn't hit the plan, they blame the plan <laughs> and they think that they need to to change course because it was the plan's fault. Exactly. And it's not the plan's fault. You know, it's it's um, operator error. Possibly. <laughs> Either that or it, it just is. And it, it's built into the plan so that you can make sure that the, the fluctuations are accommodated. So if revenue is down one month, we expect to still have a percentage that's due for taxes and a percentage that is paid out to owner's comp. And even though one month may not cover the owner's comp for the month because revenue is down, we've built into the percentages for previous months and future months enough to cover owner's comp, say, for those months when it's down. So just because it's down doesn't mean we need to change those percentages. We planned that revenue was going to fluctuate, and this is how it's going to work. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, obviously, Profit First being a cash management system based on percentages actually normalizes your cash flow from that perspective. And, you know, you're not always going to hit the plan, but when you miss the plan, you know what you need to do to make up to get back on track with the plan. And if you exceed plan, uh, you know, I mean, that gives you a little bit of cushion for when that seasonality is going to come in or those unexpected things that you know, can 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 take away from what is expected. So number one, the plan and the plan is the plan and you got to stick with it. So awesome. Let's hit up number two. So number two is don't borrow trouble. So often we see people spinning their wheels. What if, what if, what if, what if? And they spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to do in every situation. And especially business owners, they're so concerned about making the correct decision and worrying about, well, what if something happens or what if this happens? Now, a little bit of that is okay to have, and it's a good thing to have, but you don't want to go anticipating that there's going to be issues. So I always say, don't borrow trouble. You're going to get enough trouble on the, on the way, so you don't need to have any come to you in advance. And don't address client needs or questions that aren't necessarily there. Sometimes when a client or a customer asks a question, you don't want to assume that they're asking something else. So if they come uh, and say, well, why is, uh, why is this widget blue? 
don't address the cost of the widget. They're not asking the cost. They're asking why it's blue. So you want to make sure that you're only dealing with what's in front of you when it comes to responding to issues and situations. You don't want to borrow trouble. You don't need any more than you've already got. Oh my gosh, I really like that perspective and and didn't think of it from the way that you're saying it. So exactly that. I mean, like, again, if you're got the plan and you're sticking with the plan um, and the plan is the plan, then, you know, just focus on that and don't try to create all these other likely not to happen noise and distractions or come up with fake obstacles in your head about it. Especially when it comes to dealing with objections or issues that your client or customer might be having. It's so easy to assume what they're thinking, but sometimes if you simply ask questions back, you can find out what the issue really is. And maybe you're making the wrong assumption and you don't necessarily want to put something in their head or start arguing down a wrong path while your customer's like, Wait a minute, I didn't I didn't ask you about the cost. I just wanted to know if it's blue or if it comes in different shades of blue. So you have to be very careful about responding, especially when it comes to messages through email or through text oh. because you're not seeing their their facial expressions or the fluctuation of their voice. There's a a very famous saying about um somebody ate my sandwich and uh the way you use the fluctuation in that sentence can mean completely different things. So you might say, somebody ate my sandwich, meaning some person did. Somebody ate my sandwich, as opposed to storing it someplace. Somebody ate my sandwich, meaning it was, you know, instead of somebody else's sandwich. So I can go on with that, but you can see how the fluctuation makes different implications the way the words are emphasized. So you don't want to assume things or borrow trouble or problems or issues. You want to make sure that you're addressing what it actually is. And sometimes that just means asking more questions. Yeah, exactly. And listening. <laughs> yes, and listening. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and then number three. Number three is um, one that I got from a very dear friend of mine. She said, worry is the devil's playground. And worrying is praying for something you don't want to happen. So this came about because uh, one of my children was having a, a pretty major medical procedure, and I couldn't stop worrying about it. And when she gave me this advice, it really put me at ease because she's exactly right. Worrying is spending a lot of energy and resources on something that is probably not going to happen. I believe the statistics is that 80 to 90% of what we worry about never happens. It never comes to fruition. So why are we spending any time worrying about something that probably isn't going to happen? Yeah, I think that's a great point too. And I I, I tend to be um, a little bit um, <sighs> pessimistic is not the right word, but um, you know, I, I feel too that that you sort of manifest that. You know, you talk about the energy of it. Like if you're if you're just thinking about negative things and such then you sort of manifest that maybe potentially happening and, and getting worse. So yeah, avoid worrying and um, because the likelihood of it happening is, you know, 20, 10, 20, maybe less percent. So very small. Yeah. There's a saying here in, in uh, snow country 
that when you're skidding in the snow on the road, you need to turn your eyes away and look towards where you want to go. Because if you look where you're going, which is in the skid, you're actually going to go that way. Even if you've got the wheel turned or you're braking, there's some psychological impact that happens. So if you're skidding towards a pole, they say you have to look the other way and look the direction you want to go, and then the car will go in that direction. Yeah. It's a very fascinating phenomenon compared to uh, when you're driving in the snow or if you're in another situation where your car is skidding along. But it, it's it's pretty cool, and it works. Yeah, so get out of the devil's playground. Stop worrying about things that you can't control and that are outside of what you've got going. Um, all right, number four. Number four, and I'm sure I stole this from somebody else too, uh, but if you don't commit, you're not deciding to do something. You're only wishing that you could do it. So there's something about that, putting it down on paper or focusing or going all in that actually makes you go in that direction. And otherwise, it's just a wish. And that goes back all the way to all the the methods of making sure you're defining your goals properly and being specific about them. But committing those things to paper and to timelines really is solidifying your commitment and not just, hey, this is a dream I'd really like to do. Yeah. I mean, I think so much is just swirling around in our heads. And if it just swirls around in our heads because we don't put it onto paper, it's likely not going to happen. But Getting it out of your head is so important and making that commitment. um, You know, we've talked about this on the podcast before too, like declaring it to other people, declaring it to yourself by writing it down, putting it, you know, on your, on your monitor so that you're seeing it every day and you're reminded of it is definitely going to get you faster there than hopeful, wishful thinking. (laughs) Right. Only the, the, the commitments and you know that you've committed to it when you have taken the attitude that this is the way I'm going to go. There, there is no alternative. This is the direction I'm going, and I'm going to make it happen. It's that my kid needs this medicine, and I'm going to get it for them kind of attitude. This is where I'm going. No alternatives. Come hell or high water, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, number five. Number five is an analogy that I like to use when I see my business owners depleting their own resources. And it is that you have to fill your cup before you can serve others. You serve others from the saucer so that, so your cup needs to overflow into the saucer before you can serve others. So that whole concept goes to making sure that you're taking enough time to care for yourself get enough education for yourself to serve your clients in the proper way, to make sure that you're getting enough mental care, enough physical care with exercise or nutrition so that you can bring your whole self and serve your clients or serve your friends or serve your neighbors, whoever you want to serve. So as that your own cup of wellness and wholeness overflows because you have enough, then the extra can go to others. You also can't help others if you're depleting your own resources from even a monetary standpoint. So if you are struggling financially, you it's, it's not a bad thing to work hard to raise your income so that you can be a blessing to other people. It's not a crime to have 
money or to build wealth because that wealth then spills over into the saucer that you can then share with others. So it's, it's again, it's a mindset of how you're filling your own cup so that you can serve others. Oh my gosh, that's such a powerful like reminder and visual about that. And that, you know, in order for you to serve, you have to have it overflow from within you. And, you know, I mean, obviously this is why owner's pay is the second priority in terms of allocation day. You first allocate to profit, then you allocate to owner's pay because if you're paying employees and not paying yourself, then, um, you know, you're likely not going to be able to stay in business because um, you're going to have to go get a real job uh, somewhere else so that you have income coming in. So this is so, so important. And obviously, we see it a lot with entrepreneurs um, when they embark on profit first, the majority of them aren't paying themselves. And when an owner is struggling to support their family, that stress then comes into the business. And then they make poor decisions because they're making hasty decisions to try to ramp things up. And so if you're not taking care of yourself, whether that's financially, physically, emotionally, you're going to make poor decisions and poor choices, which isn't going to benefit anybody, yourself or your employees or your customers. Yeah, that, that would be having an empty cup and that would be stressful. So we want to fill that cup so it overflows. All right. Um, number six. Number six is a big one. Uh, you have to look at your whole financial picture and you can't look at it in pieces, like pieces of a puzzle. You can't just focus on taxes or rate of return on your investments or just profit or retirement or, 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 or. If you only look at the pieces of the puzzle, you're just doing a shell game. You're just moving those pieces around from one mm -hmm. spot to another. You always have to look at the whole financial picture. The goal of your business is not to get the best tax deductions. The goal of your business is not to pay the least amount in taxes, because if you're paying the least amount in taxes, then it sounds to me like you're not doing any business. You've got no profit. You've got no owner's comp. Yeah, you could pay nothing in taxes if you earn no money. So why would taxes be the focus? And rate of return, why would you focus only on that? Because if you are not focusing on the cost that it gets you to get that high rate of return, you're looking at revenues, in essence, instead of the margins, which I know you talk about a lot on Profit First Nation. Got to look at those margins and are they sufficient? And your profit can be great, but if you're only paying yourself owner's comp of a dollar a month, then that profit is just deceiving you. Uh, you really need to ramp up your owner's comp. So it's all these pieces together that need to be looked at. And if somebody is trying to sell you or promote one over the other, they're just playing a shell game. They're just moving things around, hiding things on you, or not looking at the whole picture. Just like I mentioned before, you have to have financial wellness in your business as well as in your personal life. If you have an upset balance, it's going to lead to issues and problems and stress and collapse of the system. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think about like, you know, we robbing Peter to pay Paul or moving something from your front pocket to your back pocket. I mean, that shell game analogy is so perfect in terms of the fact that, you know, when you get hyper-focused on one thing, it is like a shell game and, and, and it serves like little to no purpose except just hurting you in the long run. Yeah, the left pocket, right pocket. I do. I that's a 
another part to this piece. You you hit it right on the head. If it, if you're pulling it out of your left pocket to pay to put it in your right pocket, you still have the same amount. So it hasn't changed. Yeah, and and we see that a lot, obviously, with owners, um, entrepreneurs. You know, taking money from their personal account and putting it into the business, and vice versa. And it's just like, yeah, you can take an owner's distribution when it's appropriate, but you got to keep those as separate silos. Right. If you take the owner's distribution or the profit distribution, and then the next day you're depositing the money back into the into your business account, or you are doing your semi-monthly allocations, and then two days later you're moving money from the profit account back into OPEX, you're just fooling yourself. Why are you bothering to do the allocations in the first place? You need to make an adjustment to the plan and make sure that your allocations are correct, or you need to back off on them until you can get your business into a better position by adjusting margins or correcting uh, expenditures that you don't need or increasing your your revenues. Yeah, let's let's commit to no more shell games. Um, <laughs> okay, and so then the next one is um, t- about accidents. Yeah, this was always a big one with me and my kids. So my kids are all older now, and they still roll their eyes when they hear me say this. Uh, but... An accident, by definition, is something that you didn't intend to happen. So my kids used to say all the time that, oh, don't worry, mom, I'm not going to get in an accident. And I said, no, 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 no. You're, you're misunderstanding the whole term, accident. An accident, by definition, is something you didn't intend to happen. So you can't avoid accidents. You can make some plans or do some risk management regarding accidents. Workers' comp is a great mitigator and a required one when you have employees about accidents. Uh, But life is going to happen and you can't hide and pretend that it's not going to happen. That's why we have the plan back to number one again. So just keep in mind that accidents are going to happen. That's life. And then we make adjustments. But again, now we go back to what? Number three, don't worry about it (laughs) and don't borrow trouble. So um, just accept the fact that it's going to come. We don't know when, and that's because it's an accident. Got it. All right. And our final one, um, the government does not have a money pot, do they? (laughs) They don't. (laughs) That's pretty a a pretty hot topic sometimes when uh, you may hear somebody say, oh, the government should just pay for that, and the government should do this, and the government should do that. Well, the government isn't producing anything, so they aren't generating revenue or income or a production like every other person on earth is doing. They're just pulling it from someplace and giving it to somebody else. And sometimes it's good things. It's roads. It's bridges. It's helping people who have fallen on hard times as a surprise, like unemployment. Uh, But it's coming from someplace. So the fact that the government is giving money out in PPP loans or in employee retention credits or in um, extra unemployment benefits, the money's coming from someplace. Sometimes the government does help support the economy because they are producing jobs So all these government agencies have people they employ who then get the money and then take that home and use that for their families and help the economy in that way. But when money is given out 
as tax credits or uh, uh, stimulus payments. That can help short term, but too much of that is simply redistributing the money and isn't going to help facilitate the economy and the natural flow of money. So it's a pet peeve of mine when I hear people say, oh, well, the government should just pay for that. I'm like, okay, well, where's that money going to come from? It's coming from someplace. Maybe it's coming from you. Uh, yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Well, thank you so much for these amazing Windyisms. I know there's more, so we're going to have to do a second episode with you down the pike. Um, but really quickly before we go, I just wanted to, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, the power of sprinting on your business. So you and I have been doing sprinting for over a year now, and mm -hmm. I have found that to be so beneficial to my business when, when I have a tendency to put things aside or yes, think, yes, I need to do that. Or yes, I really should develop that. It allows me to focus time on my business to do those things that will help leap and jump my business forward. Because what we want to do in our business is create leverage so that a some action that we do will make things easier down the road. And unfortunately, sometimes we're so busy doing that we don't create the systems and the, the means to make the doing easier. And the sprint has really helped me make sure that our procedures are in place, our processes are in place, doing things like updating our website, uh, creating a new sales funnel, those types of activities that are really growing and developing your business are invaluable to making sure that your business is on the right track. And so we we spend an hour um, Monday through Friday working on our business. We come on at the top of the hour and then at about 28 past, we take a, a two minute stretch break and and chat a little bit, um, get caught up, but then it's back at it at half past the hour. And then we say goodbye at one minute tell. So, I mean, we're getting in a good, um, you know, 45 to 47 minutes of um, of working on our business in silence. But, you know, kind of with hitting the things here, you know, you have a plan for it, you're committed to it, um, there's some accountability and such. So if you're wanting to, you know, really knock your plan out of the park, um, you really need to dedicate some time. And we recommend trying to sprint on your business and having a, the same hour every day where you work on your business. And at the end of that hour, you're going to produce some sort of very specific result that is going to help you move your plan forward, ideally. Uh, Wendy, how can people get um, get in touch with you? So we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can go to Small Office Solutions LLC, SOSLLC.com. Uh, you can Google us on YouTube. You can find us at uh, Small Office Solutions Milwaukee. We've got lots of great videos showing different tax tips, financial help. And of course, follow me, Wendy Hall, CPA on LinkedIn and Twitter. Okay, awesome. And um, we will get you back sooner rather than later uh, so we can uh, get some more of your brilliance shared with our audience here. Thanks so much, Wendy. So if you would like to work with a certified profit-first professional accountant, bookkeeper, or coach who has the heart of a teacher and who has a way of explaining things in such 
a profound way without using accounting speak like Wendy, then um, please visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact in order to connect with a certified Profit First professional. And these Windyisms are in our episode visual recap, which is the resource for each episode that we put out. And you can also get that at ProfitFirstNation.com by clicking on resources. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 